Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Part one of John McGinn on the big interview, we explained a lot about his background, his attitudes, what he's been through. He allowed us to laugh often too, and he proved himself to be a really good storyteller. <clears throat> one of the central tenets of being on the big interview, which, by the way, is six years old. Now we go into some depth about life at Villa. John's a happy camper, and indeed, I think he's adored by the club and by fans alike. Will they manage to keep hold of him? I suspect so. But the way he's playing, it would be no surprise if there were suitors coming after him from even higher up the league than he is right now. Getting to the Premier League, well, that was a story too. John McGinn tells us brilliantly about the intense, warlike semi-finals, West Brom against Villa. It's a proper derby. And then that magnificent game at Wembley when John plays a crucial part in Villa winning what's known to be the the richest game in world football and taking Villa back to the Premier League where they belong. It was a remarkable match against a very good Frank Lampard derby side and John tells it well. Another place where John McGinn excels is, is talking about Jack Grealish. They're buddies, but I don't ask John to blow the Englishman's trumpet, rather to analyse what he is as a footballer. Because, again, when you watch Grealish on the ball now, the natural talent, which was always attractive, is still there. But things have changed. I wanted to know what things have changed and why. 
and John's a good witness. Anyway, what happens is, before we talk about Scotland and Serbia and penalties and whose jersey he's after when the European Championships come around this summer, we start with John's debut for Aston Villa against Wigan. When this young man from Scotland immediately won the hearts and minds of the Villa fans with an assist and a high-energy performance in a dramatic 3-2 win. The assist was from a free kick, and I asked him, I demanded to know how on earth he claimed dead ball duties in only his first game for the club. This interview has been immense fun um, to record. John McGinn has been a terrific guest, but we owe thanks to Thomas Jordan at Aston Villa, who worked hard on our behalf to get us this interview and um, to do his club proud. Thanks, TJ. And thanks, above all, to John McGinn, a smashing guest on the big interview. But I have to ask you there, because this is the most baffling thing of the whole picture. We, we've had we've had Ryan Fraser having the same experience, going down to Bournemouth for a little look. He didn't come back for six months, loved it so much. Phoned his mum and dad, said, "Send the luggage down. I'm staying." So that love at first sight in football, one is understandable. Two, it's great to hear that it's not all big business and influences. That a young man with talent can go. This is me. But how against Wigan do you get the free kick? Because Grealish wins the free kick. I think it's your first or second game, maybe your first game. And first game, it's, I don't know, five, six minutes in. And whatever they've seen in training, John, in fairness, when Grealish wins the free kick, everybody walks away and just says, ah, it's, it's, it's John's ball. And you nick it in for the header and it's, and it's just, it's the perfect beginning. How did you get that free kick? I don't know. I, I, trained, on the, so I trained on the Thursday. I oh, was so nervous. Honestly, I was... I was bricking it, and, I, and I'm not. You speak to anyone that's played me. I'm, I'm rubbish in training, so I, I done a, a, a box. And Michael Richards was was talking about it recently, um, how, how he watched me in my first Rondo box at Villa. Just for anyone who doesn't know it, because Rondos have become part. A box is just a fast passing exercise with one in the middle. The box is big enough for six, seven, eight people, and it's chase ball for the one or two in the middle, right? Yeah. But you need to be. You need to be on the ball on the outside to make sure you don't go in the middle. But I spent my whole first session in the middle. Now, I've got, there's guys that have played at a brilliant level. Uh, Alan Hutton was there, Glenn Whelan, Mila Yedinak, Micah Richards. Jack was in there. Now, that was a tough box in the first morning. So they're thinking, they're thinking, who's this guy? What have we done? And I'm thinking, I'm, I, I, I'm in the Belfry, obviously, the hotel's in the corner. So I'm thinking, what have I done? I, I'm at my depth here. But then uh, we turned up at Villa Park and uh, Steve Clemens, uh, Steve Bruce's assistant, goes, just just do what you just do what you normally do. So I thought I was on the bench because I'd only signed on a Wednesday or Thursday. But he named the team quite late, quite old-fashioned uh, in that sense, and, and I was starting. So it was just a case of sink or swim, and, and thankfully that day I was I was swimming. So um, <laughs> no, but I chased a ball. I always talk about it, and I'll never forget it. And, um, I chased a ball. What I, I like to do, uh, probably should start doing more of again. I chased a lost cause ball in the corner and I thought, nah, stuff that'll go for it. And I blocked it and it went out for a throw in and the place kind of lifted a wee bit. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is the place for me. And after that, I started to grow in confidence and, 
never look back. It's a proper way to tell a story and, you know, we can't change the lack of fans, but the connection between you and fans, I think wherever you go, is, is going to be perpetual because, again, that attitude, the chasing down and every roars because we, we love a battle in the UK. We're, we're just warriors, all of us. But when you get that mix of competitiveness and technique and vision and ability, it's really powerful. Fans adore it. We've got really good sponsors here behind us, Bet365. Now, they've sent a number of questions and this one is good. Which Scotland teammate would you most like to sign for Aston Villa? That could be a number of people, by the way. Most like to sign. I hope nobody uh, at Villa is going to be offended. If we go with Tierney Robertson, it means I have to choose. Uh, I'll go back with Tomini. Just um, I'm not choosing between Tierney and, Ro- Tierney and Robertson because that would be a debate. The big Scotty, the, the, the nice thing about uh, the big man is not only is he's a star, worldwide star for Man U. Uh, brilliant guy, extremely humble. And the nice thing, even though Scotland have had a history in the past of playing players with an English accent, with Scottish grandparents who essentially come, if they don't get a game, end up probably chucking it. Whereas Big Scotty sees himself as Scottish. There wasn't any doubt. And for that, was was brilliant to see because he, he, he came into the squad and he, he didn't really play right away. But he didn't complain, not one bit. It wasn't like, oh, I'm McTominay, I play for Man U. He was proud to be in the setup. He was proud to be part of it. And now we're seeing the rewards of not only how versatile he is, but incredible athlete and incredible player. So if we could have him in at Villa beside me, that would be nice. He, he's a real winner player. I spoke to him recently and, and it was a long interview and fun. And he, he's not shy. He's 100 miles an hour, isn't he? Which I appreciate and I like. But he said he had to stop the interview in the end because he'd done his treatment. He was going out to play football in the garden with his dad. He said, because I remember all the years playing. And he said, I still, he said, yesterday I was playing the, in the garden with my dad. I, I, I love that. I was at Seville the night that Seville drew 0-0 with Manchester United before going and knocking United out at Old Trafford a couple of seasons ago when Mourinho was in charge of the Europe League. Scott was, Scott was flawless that night in Seville. I mean, absolutely, completely flawless in, in positional sense, never giving the ball away, winning it a lot. Really an inspirational footballer. I think it's a good choice. It's a nice answer. I'm not going to ask you to cast forward to the European Championships, delighted though I am that you've put our country there. But all being well, you're going to be playing at Wembley against England. And you've had a Wembley experience. It's the new Wembley. It's not the old one that we all used to go down and nick the turf and sit in the crossbar and all that kind of stuff. I think your granddad was up there on the crossbar. Like, that's how I remember it anyway. He came out of the stand and the pitch. And I really, I found that that playoff thing, inspirational might be the wrong word, but I was fascinated by how fate chucks you things. Because Villa had to go up, it was vital, it was part of the reason you were there. And you have to beat West Brom, which maybe people around the world outside the Midlands don't understand the absolute—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a black country old firm thing, and and the drama is flipping intense. So I, I want you to do three things: one, pick a memory from the two West Brom games it just leaps out at you. Two, why no penalty in the shootout? I, I didn't quite understand that, although it goes well. And then we'll come to the Wembley question in a minute. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that. I, I train the manager for that all the time. So I'll start with the penalty one. Now, no matter what penalty shootout I've been in. Uh, you always have to be brave enough to hit one now I'm always confident in my ability I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I'll, I put my hand up so the goalie coach was taking the names so 
got Jack, Mealy Edenak, penalty specialist, corner penalty specialist, Tammy, good at penalties. Then it's me and Albert, Albert Adoma. We both put our hands up. But I don't know if it was a manager or Neil Cutler's like that. He just picked, he ended up picking Albert. So no one ever played. The boys loved winding me up. Oh, you bottled it for a penalty. But I didn't. I just didn't get chosen. I put my hand up and I was number six. Um, so I'm glad Tammy scored in the end. And, and if we piece it together, there was one player who didn't convert his kick for the Villa and that was Albert, right? <laughs> I, I have uh, reminded Albert and cuts in, in the gaffer about that, but just glad in the end. And, and the, the memory for that was that, what's the song they play? The, the Equaliser. It was a proper racket. They wanted it badly. It wasn't that though, it was the whole game. Now, me and Jack talk about it all the time because... Uh, Jack loves football as well and they hate him so every time he touched it they were booing him but me and him before the game were both like doo, doo, doo. we were just ready we were ready for it to come on uh, but it was like every throw in they, they would just you would just hear the tannoy even in extra time they were playing it and I'm like I'm getting drained doing this here I, I don't know if I've got much energy listening to this but it was like brilliant atmosphere even the one at Villa we didn't play well, but Connor came up with a moment of magic. And um, but my my memory of that double header was the the liquidator song, and uh, probably as loud as the, the Hawthorns has has been. But then it set us up. We what we thought was uh, a game with Leeds. Um, yeah. That's what we thought. But, um, one of the most famous games in Championship playoff history, Leeds Derby. Um, we watched it as a team. I'm not going to tell you how much I rem- actually remember of it because we were sort of semi-celebrating. One of the one of the, uh, the media team here is laughing because he was actually with us. So you win the championship playoff semi-final second leg. You've then got a big gap to the final. So a brilliant team spirit we had. We ended up in the pub in the middle of Birmingham. So we're in there. It's a sunny day. We're sitting out in the beer garden and we're thinking, right, we've got leads to play. But we, it wasn't, we weren't taking them out. We hadn't thought we would win or anything. We were just celebrating the fact that we were 14th or 13th, 14th in the table by December. We've now made it to Wembley. It's a celebration in itself. Um, but that's not to say we expected to win. You'd, you'd had a couple of nice... Just in that run-in where you're outside the playoffs, you'd had a couple of goals against Forrest. You said thanks to Steve Bruce for signing you with popping one against Sheffield Wednesday as well. So you'd played your part in that surge up that takes you into the playoffs to play the baggies and now you're with your Capri son out in the in the in the in the beer garden, no mad dog whatsoever. But you're allowed a little relax to get just to wash that season off your shoulders and go, okay, the final next Monday. That this it makes sense to me. I mean, you play you play a lot of games in a championship, so it's a wee bit of. I don't think teams do it enough. I, I think it's lost as to how much you can actually bond in a pub. It's mad. Yeah, it doesn't mean you need to. Doesn't mean you need to drink. I know the game's evolving and changing. Doesn't mean you need to drink, but just being together in a different environment it helped us a lot. And on that run moving on, it was it was a bit special because no matter who, who you're playing against, ten wins in a row uh, and a league as tough as a championship was was pretty special. And then we we ended up um, Leeds Derby. And, uh, we ended up Derby winning. Now both the games that season we had played pretty well against Derby. But they were in a good bit of form as well. Uh, stop crying. Oh, they were singing all that. So they were confident. Um, and then they had Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, good players. So it was quite intriguing. But thankfully, we played uh, we played really well in the final and got over the line. 
What what is it for a Scot though? What's it like when you know? Uh, never mind, maybe going up in the hundreds of millions and it's and it's Derby, but just the name Wembley. The, 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 in the quiet moments before you're thinking about the actual match, and knocking Huddleston off the ball and dummy it so that so that the first goal can can get scored. Wembley, John. What's going through your mind and the images? What does it mean to you as you're thinking? This is where we're going. <laughs> Well, actually, my first experience at Wembley was uh, England-Scotland, the 3-0 game where I was in the squad, but I didn't get stripped. But uh, I remember training there the night before. Uh, we stayed at the Hilton Wembley. So you can see the arch for your room. You can see the stadium. You're thinking, right, this is about me. I'm loving this. So then we trained the night before at the stadium. Brilliant. Loved it. Disappointed not to make the squad, but I was a young player. And, uh, I was a young player in the, in the group, so I was... Uh, realistic and realised that it was probably going to be me anyway but it gave me a wee bit of a taste for, for the kind of stadium the atmosphere but it didn't really give me a taste of what the Villa fans would turn up in so even though we were staying at the Hilton Wembley the same hotel we had this route and somehow all the Villa fans knew exactly the route we were taking uh, I think there's a few videos of it online but that was just nuts and we had music playing on the bus. And I think even from then, it was a roasting hot sunny day. I had 56 family members that were probably half cut by this, by this time. But just the whole day. And I, it was good because the experience of the Hibs finals and the Sitmarin final at the, at the start of my career, the experience of that taught me, right, this is another final. It's, it's a game first and foremost. You need to win or you'll not enjoy it. So you, you blank all that out as best you can. Uh, you try and focus on the game and, and thankfully those matches previously stood me in good stead and managed to put in a, a decent performance that day to, to get us over the line. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rodgers and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. for going back to Wembley in different colours and, and maybe not with hordes of the Tartan Army there we don't know yet must be big there's another couple of questions I mean people have been really good about sending stuff in and I don't know exactly our time but we're winding to a close to let you make sure that you make training Robert Ryan had written in and asked about how's it feel now to be currently the most famous person from Clyde Bank he's put Kevin Bridges into second place Rob, Robert's, a, Robert's a, a Clyde Bank man himself um, somebody wrote in and asked about the St Mirren youth system which you Peter Gordon but I think I, I want to say to you when you're proud representing your country and you haven't had to suffer you haven't really known either as a fan or a player what it's like to be at a tournament I, I grew up and it was just tournament, tournament, tournament and okay we always bumped our head in the ceiling and went out by a goal or a, or a mad red card or a goal difference or getting Willie Johnson sent home from Argy. whatever it was that we did, we found a way. I don't want to ask you to cast forward too much to the tournament because that's all predicting, but there are two things I want to know. One, 
of the group games and the players who should be there, Bet365 have asked, who would you most like to swap your strip with? So it's England, Czech Republic, I think, and, and Croatia, right? I'll go, I'll go, to, I'll go to two names. Uh, the first one, uh, Modric from Croatia. I know that's a safe one. Uh, the second one's about, ooh, uh, uh, people when you uh, I would go Jack if we, we happened to get the chance to, to play against each other uh, in that game. It would be incredible. Because we're so close on and off the park, uh, it would be a, a strange moment, but obviously a special one. But I'll go Modric just because he's someone I've admired for, for years. Uh, unbelievable player. I think he's one of the, the record cap holders for Croatia, but still playing at a high level and um, someone you, you can continue to learn from. Now, I hope he has a stinker, but wouldn't mind his shot after it. You know, honestly, I find that reassuring because I've listened to a lot that you've said over the years and read a lot about you. And, and Martin and I, in preparing it, we both said it'll be Modric. We both knew, you know. And, but I want to nick, I want to take the bat on from you a little bit and nick what you said about Jack Grealish. I want, to, I want to speak honestly and passionately because I feel that having grown up watching players that you won't remember, but Tony Curry, who was a guest on this, Duncan McKenzie, Alan Hudson, Frank Worthington, some of you aren't with us anymore. And in England, they constantly undervalued them. There was always a reason why maybe they're not quite as good as they blah, 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 blah. And, and they were always the ones who gave you magic, that, that special bit of... Not just fantasy, but they could do things that other players couldn't. And Jack seems to me, although he's quite in vogue at the moment, because there's so much data that people can actually support the analysis that he's exceptional, but I think he's still broadly undervalued. There's still a debate about does he or doesn't he fit in in the England team, etc. I don't mean necessarily to talk England up, because they have stinkers too. But I think you're playing, apart from him being a friend, I think you're playing with a footballer who's evolved massively over the last 18 months, in terms of pitch position maturity, he's an awful lot stronger, so he gains the right to use the brilliant ability he's got. But am I right in saying that, that he's probably still a little bit underappreciated for exactly how good a footballer he is? Yeah, that, absolutely. I think um, I've been lucky enough to see him grow as a player. I think in the Championship, he was, he was destroying teams, but he was winning free kicks in wide areas. He wasn't uh, scoring or setting up as much as what he would like. Now he's football obsessive, so he goes and he studies, he wants the goals, he wants the assists. And even then, I don't know whether it was his work that he does in the gym or, or something, but he just seemed to keep getting stronger and, and quicker. And then this season, I, I don't know what, what it is, 100% knew he was capable, but with his performances this season and, and most importantly, the the game against Belgium, I think it's the, it made a few people who we're desperate for him to be rubbish. Let's make that clear. Some people didn't like the way he wore his socks. Some people didn't like the way he had his hair. But the, the outside perception of Jack changed after that game. And they got beat 2-0, let's, let's remember that. But he had such an impact on that game. Um, I think it just made the whole, probably the whole football world sit up and take notice of how, how good he actually is. Now I watch uh, games in, in, in La Liga and you'll probably agree, Graham, he could fit in there. So the, the way he carries the ball, how, how good go, he is. I go further, John. La Liga has been has a little bit of talent drain and brain drain because 
other state-owned clubs are able now to come and not just pinch, pinch the stars, but are pinching very good kids of 22, 23. In my opinion, Jack could come over and he would enhance La Liga. He wouldn't just fit in. He'd become a star player and the appreciation would just go like that for him. And and I don't understand the concept of people wanting to fail or the hair, the socks, whatever. It doesn't really matter. For any Villa fan watching, I'm not trying to tell me I would have the Barcelona. No, no, like, no, no. Because no, 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 uh, in, ter- in terms of, I, I think after that, I, I, the whole perception of, that uh, Jack kind of changed after that game, he seemed to get more and more support. More and more people tried to uh, started to realise what he was capable of, and he used to wind me up honestly. When, and I used to say to him as well, he used to wind me up when he never got in the squad, and people used to say, "Ah, but he's no quick." When I see him every day, he's quick. Try and get the ball off him then. Do you know what I mean? He can take it in the line, he can bust past you, he can embarrass you, and I think everyone's starting to see that now. But is it fair to say that, because I've seen a lot of players of that type over the years, and some of them with those gifts do showboat, definitely showboat. Ronaldinho did it deliberately to try and bring the crowd alight so the game started well. Cristiano Ronaldo had to have that slightly trained out of him in the, in the first part so that it became more effective. I don't think that I've seen a lot of Jack um, either deliberately humiliating a player just for the fun or showboating. All the stuff he does, 99% of the stuff he does is to get in a better position, to put a team in a better position, to get in a position for a shot. I think he, he uses the gifts well. Uh, he's, he's a really good teammate, uh, unselfish. If if someone's in a better position to score, he's passing it, no matter, no matter who it is. But I think before they used to... Maybe his way of showboating was to skin someone and skin him again and win the free kick. Now, he's just completely got away from that. I don't know whether he was aware of that himself. But now, instead of running past somebody and maybe trying to beat them, he's running towards the goal and he's, he's frightening teams. So then he's, he's adding goals and assists. And, and when you add that, your, your value soars and you become more noticeable. And I think he's... Uh, it's been disappointing for us that he's been injured for the last wee while, but we're looking forward to having him back soon. So, this is the bit where we wind down, but I can't stop without asking you properly about um, Scotland. It, again, like I asked you about the West Brom experience, if I can take you to Serbia and the anticipation, the test, the country, um, if you watch a little bit of La Liga, maybe this is too detailed, but Dimitrovic, the goalkeeper from Airboy, was on the bench, an extraordinary goalkeeper. When it came to penalties, I was so glad that he wasn't the one that you were facing. If you can cherry-pick impressions, tension, memories from that, what are they? The day leading up to it, uh, everyone wanted it badly. Really, really badly, and you could sense it. Never had their own sort of way of dealing with it. So, uh, I was just watching videos on on YouTube, and I can't remember in, in particular what ones. But then you start kind of getting a wee bit emotional, thinking of what if we actually win here? What what um, what's going to happen? So I'm getting a wee bit. So everyone's pumped up in their own certain way. You turn up to Red Star Belgrade Stadium, renowned for. I remember watching Champions League games there for for years. Renowned for atmosphere, and you can hear a pin drop. So you're you're checking the pitch. Uh, pitch whizzing in brilliant nick uh, rain was, was pouring down and you can imagine uh, as much as the Tartan Army are noisy you can imagine if they were in the ground you probably wouldn't have heard them because that was an intimidating stadium even with no fans in it 
Now, that was that was the only disappointing thing. I think for I know some people who travel with with Scotland home and away and have done for the twenty three years. Um, some of my dad's pals. The gutting thing is they didn't they weren't there. They, that was the, that was the gutting thing. But during the game, we had to blank that. We, we can't affect that. We can't change it. So Steve Clark was brilliant, uh, or the gaffer. So if he's watching, I don't even call him Steve Clark. <laughs> um, so he 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 done a meeting, and do you know what? It was so simplistic, but it was powerful. Um, I can't remember word for word, but it was. Don't play. No, it was it? Don't play with the fear of failure. Play with the anticipation of success. And that was all he said before we, um, before we left for the stadium. Now he's brilliant at that because he's quite powerful in his his words. So we we played brilliant, honestly, as a team. Probably one of the best Scotland away performances in, in a long time because Serbia are no mugs, not not one bit. Uh, Katie absolutely destroyed Tadic, and I mean had him in his back pocket. Uh, McTominay, big Declan Garcut. Massive Ryan Jack, Carl McGregor, and gutted for Ryan Jack as well, even though he plays for the other side of Glasgow. Aye, look where he left to go and do it. Come on, good guy. Maybe not as popular in Aberdeen, but good guy. And gutted for him because he was brilliant in the, in the, in the yeah. game. So I'm in Cal, and then me and Christy were kind of up a bit off, off London. And do you know what? We had so much of the ball, we had some good chances. I wasted one in the first half, but then Christy scored. Uh, Christy scores and it gets to 83 minutes and the gaffer takes us off so we're thinking right we're, we're, we're trying to get a 1-0 here and I couldn't see Serbia scoring honestly I couldn't see it but you have that feeling when the goal goes in go oh, here we go again so you're up in this stand because of coronavirus you're up right up in the stand and you just feel a mile away you think I can't help you sit in my hands um, and then you think you're out that genuinely I thought right well we're, we're done for but the boys that were on dug in, dug in, and then when it gets to penalties, you you know it's a lottery, but you fancy Marshy, you fan you fancy him, um, and just that feeling. I remember speaking, uh, standing next to Frank, we're all in, in the line, and Frank was shaking. Frank is the team manager of uh, Scotland, I think he has been for for fifteen to twenty years, and brilliant guy, amazing guy. He's shaking, he's going, please Marshy, please, and I and I started to get nervous, but then we scored, and just an incredible feeling, probably one of the best feelings I've had as a as a footballer just seeing everyone back home now I always talk, touch on it down here when people ask probably the most uh, divided country in terms of club football um, everyone's got their own sort of agendas some teams hate other teams Aberdeen hate Rangers Hibs hate Rangers Rangers hate Celtic Celtic hate XYZ Hold on, thinking about the Scottish Cup, we're not too keen on Dundee United either. So to just so that I can get that on record. Dundee United, Dundee Pals, Dundee, anyone, everyone hates each other, right? <laughs> then you, you come in, you, you come in just complete elation. Then you speak to your family, you, you realise how much it means. Then you speak to your mates who are in lockdown, by the way, right? So they're on each other's house, uh, on each other's house, in their own house. Steaming. Some people are like emotional. Then you look at videos for Edinburgh. Princess Street, Queen Street, look at Glasgow, everyone is just, honestly, the reaction to that was what made me proud. That's what started getting me a wee bit emotional when you started to realise the impact that this could have. And then the build-up's been surreal and amazing. The, the only the thing for me is I've, I've just pictured a, a full hand in. I've pictured... I was at the Commonwealth Games. I know it's completely different. It's a completely different sport, but... It was when 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 you got a Scottish winner that day. I was at the Athletics, 
And I just pictured that. I think the whole world's watching. Um, no, it's, it's amazing if we can get 12,500 in. Uh, that's surreal, but I, I just kind of keep, I kind of get out of my head, 50,000 no being there. I, I just kind of get out of my head, and that's the, the gutting thing. What you've proven as we finish to let you go to training is that besides the terrific character you've got and the terrific ability to, to compete and win and terrific technical ability you've got, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times, you can shut things out, you think them through, you block them out and you do your job well, which I think is an enormously admirable um, characteristic. This has been a, a pure pleasure. You probably don't feel the same, but I could have done another three or four hours of this. So thank you for stopping. Thanks to Rat Gaffer. Also, thanks for mentioning uh, Jack Grealish's uh, dad, uh, Steve Clark, um, because he, he he deserves a lot of credit. And the way to finish here is to say bollocks to Jimmy from Bargetti. <laughs> Cheers, Graham. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.